Hi, and welcome to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. We meet every Saturday at 11 a.m. at 584 Franklin Road in Franklin, Tennessee. You can find out more information on our website at koldodi.org or watch us live on our Facebook or YouTube by simply searching for Koldodi Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Genesis 25, Lord, we just pray you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Lord, speak to us now, God. Lord, open our hearts to behold wonderful things. Gali naiva avitani froot me techa b'shem Yeshua. Amen. When her time came to give birth, Genesis 25, verse 24, indeed there were twins in her womb. Now the first came out reddish. All of him was like a fur coat. Anyone have a birth like that? Any our ladies here? They named him Esav, or Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding on to Esav's heel, so he was named Heel, Yaakov, Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when he had fathered them. When the boys grew up, Esau became a man knowledgeable in hunting and outdoorsman, while Jacob was a mild man remaining in tents. Now, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Favorites. Parental favorites, right? They each, mom and dad love different, different sons. Jacob and Esau. Esau was a man, man's man. He was macho man, sort of. While Jacob was a mama's boy. If you kind of read the account, that's what it seems like. And this is a really interesting account. They, and it says in 2526, they called his name Esau in the Hebrew. They called, plural. Afterward, his brother emerged from the womb, and he, singular, called his name Jacob. The naming of Esau is plural, but the naming of Jacob is singular. Everybody knew of Esau. He was out there. He was popular. Most of the people of his time could relate to him. He was outdoors. He was a hunter. Jacob, on the other hand, was quiet, alone, hidden away from the spotlight, He was not famous or known by many, and hence his naming was in the singular. Everybody knew of Esau. Hardly anyone knew, had heard of Jacob. But it was Jacob with whom God continued his covenant. It was Jacob who became Israel and changed mankind more than any other people. Esau versus Jacob. To quote a rabbi I love, Rabbi Nightingale, listen to this, his quote, and I'm taking excerpts. Edom, Rome, Western society versus Jacob, Israel, and the Jewish people. 
Esau is famous and fashionable. The masses can relate to him. He is of the material and superficial world. He will get thousands of likes and millions of YouTube, YouTube, version, YouTube views. He's super popular, easy to digest, and the masses love it. His religion is nice and easy, and it draws in billions. Not so with Jacob. The masses don't relate to him, and he doesn't appeal to throngs of people. I'm taking excerpts. Too much to study. He'll be lucky if he gets a thousand YouTube views. <laughs> and there's no such thing as herd mentality with Jacob's people. Quite the opposite. Two Jews, three opinions. <laughs> Esau is of the here and now that excites you for the moment. And even though it leaves you, that excites you for the moment, even though it leaves you empty as soon as it's over. Jacob will give you some quiet slices of wisdom and truth that you will digest and keep forever. I like that. Yaakov, or Jacob, is named Ekef, a heel trodden upon and overlooked. Isn't that beautiful? But that's where God is. And that's who he's working through. So I want to take off on that a little bit and say, do you or we ever feel overlooked, unpopular, on the sidelines of popular, snazzy, successful religion? Do you feel alone? Or do we feel alone, left out as Jews? How about as Messianic Jews? How about as Messianic Gentiles who identify and align themselves with the Messianic Jewish community? Yaakov, Jacob. In Genesis 27, we read what is maybe one of the most, I don't know, perplexing chapters in the Bible. As I read this story of, this is the story where Jacob, title here in the TLV says, Jacob tricks Isaac, you know, it's where Mom and son trick dad and brother, other brother. For the, and he's already, of course, one brother's or the Esau's already given, sold his birthright. But, and the word birthright and blessing are, by the way, the same Hebrew letters just interchanged. In Hebrew, it's interesting. He loses his blessing to his brother. And they trick him. And as I read it, <clears throat> I come away with, I don't know you, what you've come away with, but I come away and say, what a messed up family. Mother and son scheming to deceive dad. Brothers ripped apart because of treachery, lying, manipulation, and deceit. Rebecca betrays her husband and son, and Jacob betrays his father and his brother. Rebecca was forced to send Jacob into exile as a result of this and losing, losing the company of, her, of the son she loved for the rest of her 20 years. Yet, this is the family through which God's covenant flows. Messed up family. So my question is, how's your leave it to beaver family? <laughs> 
How perfect is your family? It's trying to give this lightly, but seriously. You know, if you feel your family isn't perfect, you're in pretty good company. <laughs> That's all I want to say. You're in good company. Just read this chapter. How could God still use Jacob after all he'd done, after all that happened? How could God use you or me or I? My mother would always correct. My mother was an English professor. She would always correct my English. But how could God use any of us, really, after anything? How could, after what you've done, your past, my past, how can he use that believer whom you dislike? whom you can't stand. How could he use that believer you can't stand? Do you get upset at God using that person? How could he, God still choose and use the nation of Israel? Aren't there two sides to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? And of course we empathize, we understand empathy, and we love and pray for all peoples involved. But are there two sides to the Jacob, aren't there two sides to the Jacob-Esau conflict? Wait a minute. Listen, journalist Barry Weiss, some of you know her, regarding October 7th, you know, we got to remember that date, folks. Remember October 7th. Remember the date, just like we remember September 11th, 9-11. Remember October 7th. Put a tattoo, I'm sorry, no, don't tattoo, I can't tell you the tattoo. But, but remember October 7th, really. Journalist Barry White, she says this, university presidents who leapt to issue morally lucid condemnations of George Floyd's killing, rightly, you know, rightly so, or Putin's war, and rightly so, or Putin's war on Ukraine, rightly so, offered silence or mealy-mouthed pablum about how the situation is tragic and complex and how we need to think of both sides as if there is some kind of equivalence between innocent civilians and jihadists. She explains that the basic ideas of good versus evil are being replaced with a new rubric, the powerless and hence good versus the powerful and hence bad. They see Israelis, quote, they see Israelis and Jews as powerful and successful and, quote, colonizers, so they are bad. Hamas is weak and coded as people of color, so they are good. No, it doesn't matter that most Israelis are people of color. That baby... Oh, he's a colonizer first and a baby second. That woman who was sexually assaulted, horrifically sexually assaulted, to death. Oh, shame it had to come to that, but she is a white oppressor. At the same time, as horrible, these things, at the same time, according to APEC, this past Tuesday, as we saw in the video that Collage was we put the, that David put together of what Gary and I sent. This past Tuesday, November 14th, 200, according to APEC, 290,000 pro-Israel pro Americans from across party lines, parties, races, and backgrounds came together on the National Mall in support of the Jewish state. 
An additional 250,000 people watched the rally online. American and Israeli flags waved high and proud as attendees sang both national, both national anthems, prayed for the safety of the IDF soldiers and the return of the hostages, and heard powerful speeches. Chants of, I love these chants, I, you know, because being there and going to, these chants of, bring them home, Am Yisrael Chai, and no ceasefire rang out throughout our nation's capital. Members of Congress from both sides of the aisle were seen holding pictures of hostages and signs affirming their support for Israel. Bring them home. Let's say it. Bring them home. Bring them home. Yes. Am Yisrael Chai. Am Yisrael Chai. Excuse me. Am Yisrael Chai. And no ceasefire. No ceasefire. I'm sorry. No ceasefire. You can't do a ceasefire. You can't have a ceasefire. Israelis get killed with a cease. Will get killed with a ceasefire. And they and Hamas rearms, as we know, refuels, rearms. No way. United Nations put pressure, all the pressure. <clears throat> so, listen. So horrible things happening, but also good things happening. God can work things for good. God can do amazing things in the midst. And he is doing amazing things in the midst as we pray. Esau, look at the difference between Esau and Jacob. Think of some of the, now naturally think of Esau as desperate. Jacob was deceitful. These are things I wrote down. Uh, Esau was stupid. Jacob was sly. Esau was obsessive. Jacob was op very opportunistic. Esau was careless about his birthright. birthright so. Jacob was calculating. Esau was short-sighted. Jacob, you know, in the flesh is always short-sighted, doesn't think of the future, just acts on gratification, immediate, immediate gratification. Jacob was shifty. In chapter 27, we see Jacob telling five blatant lies. Again, if you read the five blatant lies to his nearly blind father in cahoots with his mother's deceptive plan to steal his brother's blessing. The birthright, and he loses then the blessing, and he's grieved. And yet, through all of this, God identifies himself to Moses and to the children of Israel as Elohe Abraham, Elohe Yitzchak, and he doesn't stop there, the Elohe Yaakov, Yaakov, God of Jacob also, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Exodus 3, 6, 3, 15, 16, 4, 5, in the New Covenant, it's quoted Matthew 22, 32, Acts 7, 32, the name by which he should be forever remembered from generation to generation in 3.15. This is my name forever, he says in 3.15 of Exodus. My name, Zeh Shmo Leolam. Zeh Shmo Leolam. Try that. Zeh Shmo Leolam. This is my name forever. Lidor Vedor. Let's try that. Lidor Vedor. From generation to generation. Excellent. 
from generation. God of Abraham and Isaac. He is the God of each one of them. He identifies with each one of them in their muck and mire. And guess what? With you too. With you and me. Shouldn't he rather be called the God of Mr. Coward and Mr. Selfish? That's Abraham. Because he was. Or the God of Mr. Naive and Mr. Spiritually Blind? <laughs> Isaac. Shouldn't that, that, that be his name? The God of Mr. Or the God of, and then the God of Mr. Liar and Mr. Deceiver? But rather, God considers them faithful in Hebrews 11. Calls them all faithful. And he calls himself their God. I would rather expect him to say, I am not the God of Abraham, nor the God of Isaac, nor the God of Jacob. But he's, instead, he associates himself with them, le'olam, forever, eternally. He's joined to us today, to us, despite our wretchedness, our terribleness, our despicableness. Jacob means heal. It means devious, one who undermines. And he'll painfully refine us and work through us. He's going to have to refine Jacob. He's going to have to go through a lot, as we'll see in the coming chapters of Genesis. He's going to go through a lot to refine him. But in 2 Timothy 1.9, he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our deeds, but because of his own purpose and grace. Aren't you glad for that? This grace was given to us in Messiah Yeshua before time began. 2 Timothy 1.9. Romans 8.30 and 31. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say in view of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Yet before, it says then in, that's Romans 8, then in Romans 9, 11, yet before the sons were even born and had not done anything good or bad so that God's purpose and choice might stand not because of works, but because of him who calls. Romans 9 through 11, by the way, is right after Romans 8 where Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Messiah Yeshua, nothing, not height or death or things present or things to come. And then he goes into, it's anyone, anyone that has a brain of theology should know, Romans 9 through 11, right in the heart of the New Covenant, right in the heart of the book of Romans, is the text proof saying, here's the example, Israel. God doesn't give up on Israel. Nothing can separate my love for Israel. Nothing, nothing they do. They can be unfaithful to me and they break my heart. I love, but I love them forever. You can't ever separate my love for Israel. I'm, I've still chosen them and I'll bring them through the fire and through water in Psalm 66. I'll bring them through, but, but, I, but I will not abandon them. I will not, and my covenants will not, I will not change my covenants. And oh, how sad when people are brainwashed through supersessionism or replacement theology. How sad when pastors, clergy, don't speak up for Israel in this, in what's happened, and, don't, and they're, they're silent in their pulpits. They'll say a measly prayer. I had a friend in Baltimore tell me he was brokenhearted. He's a Jewish friend, a Jewish believer. He's left the, ch the church he was in, thank God, because I said, you, about time, the one you were in, because he's, he said I was in, says that, he said I was, I, was, I, I watched it online that after October 7th, and then Sunday morning, and they just said some measly prayer at the end of service for the Middle East. 
some measly prayer after October 7th. And he said, that was it for me. He said, I'm gone. He said, I can't handle and, and it. And he said, I'm coming back to my Jewish identity, my roots. Said, this is who, my people. What's happened? He's a Messianic Jew. But, but people, a lot of people don't know. It's not their fault. They've just been... They've been brainwashed because that's the way they've been taught. They've been taught, they read those scriptures and they think, oh, this is the church. I'm just reading about the church when I read Isaiah, when I read you know, these, pro- these amazing prophecies. Yes, we can apply them. Yes, we can take the promises. God, I believe in ap- applying scripture and, and, you know, for, for, for our lives. But you don't take away from the context that it's still true for Israel, for the Jewish people. And... And it doesn't mean God doesn't discipline our people. Yes, we're going through a lot of fires. And yes, God's going to bring us. And we don't know what's the prophecies and all the, the wars and what's going. We don't know what's next. But I want to just say we're in breakthrough times. God is separating, as uh, many like to call him affectionately, Papa Don Finto, as Dr. Don Finto says. God is separating the wheat from the tares. Uh, Israel is, is being used to force believers to show the true colors. Are you with me or are you against me? And we're being given a window as uh, I, uh, Liz, I'm going to give, Liz, Liz said something in a text I thought was amazing, but we're given a, a short, short window of opportunity in our, to show our alignment, you know, with the word of God by our, and our alignment with our people, with the Jewish people. It's a window we have and to, to continue in who we are. So we thank you, Lord, for this amazing Time we're in, Lord, a critical time we're in. As we, we thank you, Lord, for this passage. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, that you don't abandon. We thank you for your, faith, your, your calling of, you're using a heel and you're using each one of us. We're heels, Lord, but, we're, but, we're, but your covenant never changes. You're faithful and true despite us. We just thank you, Lord, for, for, for taking us in our weaknesses and, our, and Lord, that you... Your, your grace upon us. We just thank you for your faithfulness. We love you. We praise you. If you've never received Yeshua, boy, we want you to have the, the, the hope that we have in our hearts, the peace that we have in our hearts, the love that we have in our hearts of knowing God personally. Just invite Yeshua to come into your life. Open your heart to the reality of, of the living God through his Messiah. He paid for your sins. Yeshua died for your sins. Lord, just say, Lord, I receive you. Lord, I want to invite, give you that opportunity to change my life, to give me a new start, to forgive me, to wash me, to give me forgiveness, to write my name in the book of life. Sefer HaChaim, the book of life in heaven. I want to know you. And if you're praying that, please write us. If you're watching online, please pray with someone here at service. After, but, you're, but God is doing it right now. If you said that prayer, Yeshua, come into my life. Yeshua. Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, come into my life. He's doing it. He's here, he hears, and he did it right when you asked him. Shalom. Amen. Shabbat shalom.